Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Happiness and Humans. My name is Matt Phelan and I am here with Dylan Silberg. How are you, Dylan? I'm good, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for agreeing to come on the show. Of course. Thanks um, for having me. No, Dylan, um, let's, um, let's please introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Dylan. I am a, a product manager at HubSpot. Uh, HubSpot is a, a CRM company building software for small and medium-sized businesses and, and helping them grow better. Uh, and so I, I spend my days building, building software for those businesses and, uh, and helping them really, really uh, run, a, run, a, run a strong shop and, and develop their company. So Dylan, I'll, I want to explain to everyone why I invited you on because normally I know most people that come on the show, but you just popped a tweet out the other day that one made me really laugh, <laughs> like prop, like an actual laugh out loud moment. Um, it's just this. Uh, my favorite part about building product is that I can be told my work is unstoppably great and the 667th layer of hell in the same day. So the reason I, I want to get into, I'm going to come back to that, Dylan. Um, but before I need to, I need to ask you what makes you happy? Uh, <laughs> that tweet's a true story. I'm, I'm excited to, to come back to it. <laughs> what, what makes me happy? I, I love, uh, I guess from a, I'll, I'll tackle this from a professional and a personal angle. Professionally, just love solving customer problems, making, making, uh, a, an individual just work better. And then in turn, giving them time back in their day, you know, that extra time to spend Friday afternoon with your kids or, uh, you know, clock out an hour early to, to watch a soccer game. Like, the, the software that I build and the things that make me happy is seeing when I can really supercharge somebody's day and, and help them uh, get, get a little bit of their life back. Uh, and so professionally, that's, that's what really keeps me going. Uh, personally, uh, what makes me happy, mostly I love spending time outdoors. And so I try to figure out how to do that as often as possible. I spend a lot of time hiking, golfing, biking. And now with my, my nine-month-old puppy, her and I get out and, and have a lot of adventures. And so, um, yeah, those are the, the, that's what makes me happy. The people can't see this, but Dylan, as he talks about his little puppy, has the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> She's adorable. What, what's, what's her name, Dylan, and, and why do you love her so much? Her name is Nellie, uh, and she's an Aussie doodle. She's, she's an Australian shepherd and a poodle and has the most energy in, on the planet. She can run seven miles and then we'll still want to play ball. Uh, and she's, she's just a bundle of joy. Uh, we don't have kids yet, my wife and I, uh, but my wife has told me that I am going to be like a, a very, very, uh, I get a, a father who spoils their children to the nth degree. I do anything for this dog. Uh, and, and I, I, I really enjoy that. So, um, she, she's great. Well, if you if you do if you do have children and you're smiling as much as you are about your dog, then I'm sure they'll be well looked after, Dylan. Um, did you, by the way, when you called it soccer, were you translating for me because I'm English? Was that was that? Did you do that on purpose or were you a soccer? Yes, fan? yes. I was, there's a, that was a quick translation there. Thank you. Um, so, Dylan, the reason, like the comedy behind your tweet, I also thought it's actually a really serious thing here, and that's why I wanted to get you on because I want to understand. So I just all listeners to just to declare my interest. I am a customer of um, HubSpot, but I've never met Dylan before, um, and I love the product because it is so frigging simple to use. So I want to get into that second part later. But the first part I want to get into on that tweet is that I also hire engineers and product people within the Happiness Index, 
And I also understand the mental strains of building a product that any of our listeners that we just rock up and we just expect WhatsApp to work or we expect uh, Instagram that if it doesn't load the picture in in 0.001 seconds, we think that the the, the world is going to end. So I just, I, I would like to, like, as you said, you wanted to expand on your tweet because it's actually, because it's a true story, but I really want to get into the human side of building product and tech and stuff, Dylan. So I'll sort of just hand the mic to you just to talk about it a little bit, if you, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, you know, I wake up five days a week, sometimes six, sometimes seven, depending on the, the state of, of things at work. And, and I, think for hours and hours and hours on end about how to make our customers happier and how to make their experience with our product better. Uh, it is quite literally all I do. And wait, and, wait, wait, I need to understand that process. Yeah. When you say think, are you, are you going for a walk? Are you, are you just sitting down or, or are you in a team meeting thinking about this? How, what's the process behind that, that element of it? It's, it's a lot of, it's both really. And it's, it's much more too. So uh, it's a lot of talking with customers, hearing their interpretation of our product, um, reading their feedback on the web, whether it be in Twitter or forums or communicating with them directly, Slack, email, the whole thing. Um, so talking with them directly, working with the experts on our team also, uh, the designers, the researchers, the analysts, the engineers um, to gain their perspectives on the same. Um, and then, yeah, there's obviously a lot of thinking and, uh, mental mapping that goes on also. And all of that comes together uh, to be like the, the, the way in which uh, that's the day really is just constantly yeah. figuring out ways to make our customers happier. Um, Dude, I know this is a really tactical question, but do you create space in your day to do, to, to allow your brain to process? Do you have like half an hour's hours where you just go for a walk and you don't allow other stuff to get in or is it, are you more active? I, I do. I don't do enough of it. Um, yeah. I spend the first hour of every day walking around the park with my, with my puppy, uh, yeah. technology free. I just throw her the ball for about, you know, 40 <laughs> minutes on end and we have a good time. And that's kind of a, a time for me to process. Um, I feel like in this you know, constant information age, especially in the work from home uh, era here, there's not enough of that, that processing time and that thinking time, yeah. not enough walking. It, it still happens, um, but that's the, that's the high value time. I love whiteboarding and to myself and just grabbing a marker and, and kind of drawing out the state of the world and, and thinking about things in that way. So it does happen. Um, and it's it, that's really when I feel like the strokes of, of insights come. Yeah, thanks. I know it's a tactical question, but I, I read that's why I asked it because I don't with the back to back Zoom calls that everyone's experiencing at the mm -hmm. moment. I don't, don't think companies and teams are allowing their team members to actually have time that's just non assigned to to, to process because that's as important as the actual doing of the work, in my opinion. Yeah, two so, things that I've done, and a lot of a lot of folks at HubSpot have done to make that feel better uh, is a no meeting Wednesday. So mm -hmm. we're recording this on a Wednesday. So we made, yeah. it, made an exception here. Um, but I know, I know, <laughs> of course, uh, sometimes things sneak through. Uh, no meeting Wednesday. And so that Wednesdays is always my day to like really go deep and solve problems. Mm -hmm. And then also just blocking off times in our calendar that, that fit right for us for think time. And so each day I have a hold on my calendar from 9 to 11 a.m. And it just says, I prefer afternoon meetings if possible. Yes. 
because the morning is my think time. And so, it, you know, you still catch a, net, a morning meeting here and then, but it allows you to, to really have at least a little bit more time than, than typical. So into the, the human side then, Dylan, like you're getting like really positive feedback and like the 66, 67 layer of health feedback all in one day and one, how do you deal, that, that's the bit I want to really get into your psyche. How do you deal with that? Because that's a lot in one day to deal with, isn't it? Like the highs and lows. Have you, have you learned, have you got better at dealing with that? Or is it just, just, just normal? I'm a, I'm, I, I, I do product. This is what part of the job. It's, it's certainly taken a while uh, to, to feel comfortable hearing the, the very, very praise-esque feedback and the, the downside feedback almost within an hour uh, of, of one another. You know, a, a lot of folks, when they submit feedback to on software or on anything, really, they think nobody's reading it. Uh, yeah. I read every single response uh, or piece of feedback that comes in about the products that I work on. Um, yeah. And so it's a lot to peel through. And it's, it's a lot emotionally and mentally, because in the same day, you'll hear raving evangelism, and then you'll hear folks who are just downright frustrated. Um, yeah. And that's a lot to process. I think, I think when you kind of start in product and you start consuming all this, the highs and the lows tend to fluctuate like hour by hour. You know, you get the positive rush and then an hour later you get the negative rush and you're kind of, you're on a very, very fast and rapid emotional incline and decline. Uh, what I think I've found over time uh, and just like working in product for a while and, and listening to customers and continuing to build is that those highs and lows are just like stretched out um, in time. And so it will be a week of highs and or a week of lows or even a month of highs. And it, yeah. it, it's almost like a, an undercurrent versus something that I'm constantly being being thrashed around with. Yeah. So no, so you said, so, yeah, so it's something that you're, you're, you've consciously aware of and you've approved, improved with as you've got experience. Is that, would that be fair? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one, one other thing that I think has helped my, my mental state when it comes to, you know, understanding how our customers feel is just really digging into the why behind a lot of feelings. Like it's, it's very easy to read surface level feedback and jump to your own conclusions um, as to, you know, maybe that's great feedback or maybe you just don't agree with the use case, but when really digging into the why behind um, an emotion or a reaction to our software, uh, I found that that helps me gain a, a much more well-rounded perspective uh, on, on that feedback. Dylan, I mean, in the Happiness Index, that all we collect is emotional insights. So that's that's what our whole platform is. But, you know, there's how do you get the balance right on feedback? Because there's that, it's like that Henry Ford, is it Henry Ford quote? It's like, if I ask my customers what they wanted, they'd have asked for faster horses. Right. But then you do need to listen to your customers and you need to adapt. Like, how do you, how do you balance that out in listening to your customers, but, but also achieving some kind of vision? Like that just sounds like a complete mess. Like how, how do we work that out? Yeah. I, th I think it's, it's about having that strong product vision in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. and, you know, knowing where to, you know, you, you spend some time figuring out where your product needs to be in the three months, in the year, in the two years, in the three years, you, you really spend a good amount of time figuring that out. And then as the minutia feedback comes in, 
um, it's, it's important to either map that to, you know, a moment in time or a vision that you have or understand that that's just contrary to your vision. Right. Um, one, one example of that is, you know, we made a change recently that disabled the ability to do something popular on the page. Like customers used to like to do this thing and it was like, it was closing a panel. Um, but, uh, the panel was important to us to, to like, we basically deleted the ability to close this panel and the panel was important to our long-term vision because it did two things. One is it helped customers understand the rest of HubSpot. It showed a lot of deeper insights into uh, the thing that they were looking at. And we know that successful users of our product and people who run successful businesses have a well-rounded understanding of a thing. And so we didn't want that information hidden. The second principle that we were able to balance there was by disabling that, uh, technically, we were able to speed up the uh, load time of the page by a third of a second. And we know that at a macro, that is extremely important um, to our customers to have really quick access to to the 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 product and the data. And so it, it's a balancing act. Like we understand that customers want a thing for convenience. However, we know that by leaving it there, we're giving them deeper insights into their business and we're speeding up the experience for every single customer. Um, yeah. it, it made it uh, kind of a no brainer and, and it's tough to do uh, at first because you are going to make some people unhappy, but keeping an eye on that, that long-term vision is, is what's most helpful there. And Dylan, you, um, what is the long-term vision of, of, of HubSpot then? Can, does everyone know it? Or is it, is it something the CEO just talked about generally? Is it, is it a sentence that you can repeat? Or is it more of, can you talk us through that? So I think there are two I really like. Uh, our, our mission statement, our vision is to help millions of companies grow better. Um, yeah. and, and so that means, you know, like I said at the beginning, you know, helping the, the mom and pop shop have some hours back in their day and help them really just scale up to the point that they need to, um, or they want to rather and, and run a fantastic business and, and really grow and, and make their customers happy. Uh, the second thing is, you know, to build a company our grandkids are proud of. And that's, yeah. a, that's something our CEO, Brian says a lot, uh, that or, th- those two Nelly, things are Nelly. where we sit. Or Nelly, let's not forget Nelly. We want Nelly to be proud. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that's amazing. And, um, one thing that I heard Brian talking about recently on a webinar or, or last year or something, Dylan, was that, you know, with tech companies, there's almost this assumption that they either fly early or they don't. So it's like, like it's, it's just like, bang, this is, a, this is a winner. It's gone like that. Or they sort of peter out and then die. And he was talking about HubSpot and how I think his words were, it, it took us a long time to sort our shit out and then we flew. And I, I found that really encouraging to hear for lots of companies because there's kind of it's a bit binary isn't it to go well these fast growth companies just even make it or they don't when there's lots of good examples where companies needed to work their their thing out and what their differentiator was and stuff is that is that something you recognize within hubspot oh absolutely yeah and i see it with our customers all the time um also the reason why I think that's true is just the world around us is changing so quickly around the software that we're building is changing so quickly. Um, you know, HubSpot started with a marketing product that was really good at writing blog posts and helping you with SEO, but yeah. SEO used to be at the top of every person's mind eight years ago. Now it isn't, isn't necessarily there. I mean, it, it's still something people talk about a lot, obviously. Um, yeah. 
but since the world around us was changing, we were adapting and continuing to develop our product and our brand in a, in a new way that, that meets the needs of our customers. And so I think in a vacuum, if the world around us was frozen, maybe the fly or die principle would hold true. But in reality, it's, it's, it all comes down to a business's ability to adapt to, to the, the changing environment around us. Yeah. Such, such a good point, Dylan. Um, um, sort of moving on to the internal side to the external and and, I, and again D- dylan's not didn't even know that i was going to say this but the reason i love hubspot is the ux right because i've used every crm blooming platform out there and i've just been tearing my hair out for years but when i use hubspot it just i can just when i want to just drag and drop something i can drag and drop something and so on but also as a technology owner i know how difficult it is to make something simple like it's that's the heart in my opinion that's the hardest thing to build is something that's simple but but i find it simple to to use hubspot how how have you managed to keep a complex product so simple to use i, I think there are there are a few factors there the the first is a honestly a world-class design team you know we index on product designers and researchers um just as much as we index on any other piece of the business like we have a fantastic crew who is responsible and spends 100% of their day thinking about making our product easy to use. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the folks behind the curtain are, are fantastic there. The, the second thing and maybe more tangible is, is having a design system. Um, we call ours Canvas. You can actually read about it. Uh, and it basically is a set of rules and components and behaviors and uh ways in which our product is, is put together that make it consistent across, mm-hmm. across the app, right? Because we, we, when, you know, five years ago, we only had 10 product teams and yeah. it was very easy to just like draw that consistency. Now we've got over 200 and it's near impossible for folks to kind of like draw the, the lines between their apps in a clean way. And so a design system has been, has been a really, really um, powerful lever there. And so we've got the UX folks and, and uh, a powerful team there, a design system. And I think the third thing is constantly just being close with our customers and understanding their day-to-day and how they use our product. Um, yeah. My favorite thing in the world to do is go to a customer and watch them use, like physically sit yeah. on their, sit behind them and watch them use our product. Unfortunately, yeah. COVID has, has, uh, has taken that away from me for a year, but I cannot wait to get back to doing that. Um, there's no amount of customer feedback. There's no amount of online posts, ideas, forums, anything like that, that can give you the level of insight that you can get by just sitting behind your customer and watching them work for yeah. an hour or two hours. Um, and so those, those three things help us really drive that, that easy to use product. And last, last question, Dylan, it's kind of, um, it's connected to user experience, but, but the knowledge base you sort of, HubSpot have become really well known for the knowledge base and the material around the product. How conscious was that? Is that is that is this come out of some of these pr- design principles, or did it just sort of happen a little bit along the way? And then, wow, we've got loads of documents. Like, what was the? How did that happen behind the scenes? You know, I, I'd say it happened pretty organically. You know, when we started, we we had the HubSpot Academy. You know, teaching people how to how to be better marketers and the inbound marketing methodology. And as our product started mature, we realized, you know, we needed this 
high level of documentation for, for the details and the granularity of things. And over time that has evolved into a, a entire team at HubSpot, self-service documentation, really helping our customers find what they need and what they need fast um, so that they can get back to, to doing their job. Um, and so it's, it's been a nice, nice evolution uh, of, our, of our product. Dylan, um, that is amazing. They're the questions that I think it's been really useful to understand it from a human perspective and, and how you keep the product so simple. Um, last question, um, what, what's, what's the future hold? hold what, what are you excited about at the moment, Dylan? As far as HubSpot's concerned or myself? I'll let you decide which, which one I was asking you. <laughs> okay, well, I've got a hybrid then. Uh, yeah. HubSpot uh, gives us a five-year sabbatical, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we yeah. got a month off. Um, when we hit five years, I'm approaching that in August. And so this August I am heading to Alaska and I'm going to be renting a camper van and living out of a van for a week. And then I will head to Portland for a day and then over to Yellowstone national park. And then I'll live out of a van for a week and a half there. And then I'll come home and play some golf. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to, to getting outside for a, a solid month this summer. Uh, enjoying enjoying the wonderful wilderness around us and taking taking some time to recharge. I think it'll yeah. be it'll be it'll be great. Well, don't, don't post your location because me and everyone who's listening is going to want to join you because it sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll post pictures after the fact. Yeah, but Dylan, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much um, for sharing for sh- sharing us the inside story. Of course, thank you, Matt. This conversation uh, certainly made me happy. <laughs> appreciate appreciate <laughs> your time.